Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scully, and in this podcast, we take a look at players and coaches handpicked by ourselves that we believe are ones to watch for the future. On this week's episode, we will be going in-depth on RB Salzburg's highly-rated midfield talent, Moritz Kiergo, an unusual profile for an attacking midfielder who can play as an 8 or a 10. At six foot four, the left footer has become a key member of the Austrian champions over the past 12 months under the exceptional, talented coach, Matthias Jessel. Inspired by Brazilian legend Kaka, Kergo has garnered interest from some of Europe's biggest clubs, including Italian trio Internazionale, Milan and Roma. And so we'd be doing ourselves an injustice by not discussing a player who could be making headlines at some of Europe's biggest clubs very soon. Before we begin, though, please make sure to rate the podcast five stars, hopefully. It's greatly appreciated and it helps us to grow the podcast and get more and more excellent guests on and more and more ears on the podcast. So now without further ado, let's get into our analysis of Moritz by first speaking to my co-host and TFA analyst, Brian Marquez. Brian, welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. How's your week been? Hey, Adam. Yeah, very good, very good for me. How has been yours? Mine's been uh, very good. It's been busy, really, really busy, but I have been watching as much football as I can. A certain website that I love watching football on is, I think, in uh, undergoing litigation uh, procedures. So I'm, I'm not going to name the website, but uh, I'm finding football less accessible when the Y Scout account on TFA is being used up. Anyway. <laughs> the player we're going to discuss today is someone who has quite a difficult name to pronounce, and I'm just going to just give full disclosure to the listeners here. I looked up how to say Moritz Kergo's name a million times. There were so many different variations, but the player himself calls himself Moritz Kergo. So I'm going to go with what he says, because he would know better than anyone, given, given that he is himself. Um, Bryant, is a really, really interesting player for a number of reasons namely that he can kind of play as a a number 10 and yeah he's doesn't have the stereotypical build that a number 10 would have or even a number eight for that matter he is a very very large man very large yeah guy being six or four i believe he's he's absolutely colossal and he looks six or four when he's out on the pitch it's like he he has quite a behemoth in the middle of the park um firstly i want to ask you yeah. about his role in matthias jessel's orby salzburg because so we can kind of offer the listeners context as to the type of player that he is so could you talk to us then about his role on under under jessel yeah well kjorgård is a player that likes to play mostly on the left side of the pitch mm-hmm. like exchanging channels between the central ones and the wide ones. He has this really good off-the-ball movements. He is very dynamic and to like move throughout the pitch, looking for the ball, dragging uh, rivals and all that. But he stands out mainly because of his passing abilities. And not only because you're like going to see that he's going to make a really good pass, but the way he plays it's like very fast very direct and it's very salzburg you know he yeah. likes likes to take the ball give the to give the ball like two or three touches it's i, I think it could be too much like he receives and scans the options and then through the, the, like throw the pass could be a true pass and all that he's really good at it but 
the thing like I like the most is like he's very intelligent to play like this, like to play like, one or two touches because he knows not any time it's the moment to progress directly. Mm -hmm. So he's like playing it back, playing it side, moving to the wing, moving then to central channels, trying to receive the ball in the best of space to run. And that is a really good aspect of him. Uh, how he runs with the ball. He's really fast. Well, he's tall. He has long legs and his stride can, can arrive to the last year very quickly. And his role is like a mixture between eight and 10. Like he drops off to grab the ball and distribute a bit in possession. But the majority of the times he has the ball, he grabs the pass and he's looking to be direct and make a long pass, true pass, or take a shot even after a run. So he's a really good mixture between being a distributor that is not a distributor and being, a, a, being like an attacking midfielder that only, that just does not only like cage himself into mm -hmm. being a 10 and to assisting and all that. One thing I really like about Kiergo is that he uses his body extremely well. Now, and I, and I know that kind of sounds a bit mundane to say because he is a really large player, I think it's fair to say, you know, width and length. But he does use his body really well. This is actually something that goes so unnoticed. And Yaya Torre wrote a whole piece in The Athletic about the use of a player's bum. And he said about how important it is to use your hips when holding the defender off and yeah. Kiergo does that so so well he leans into oh, well. you but he knows that when he does that like Pogba does as well extremely well you can't get your leg around him to nip the ball because he does use his yeah. body so well because he puts so much weight on you that he's holding you back using his hips you can't put your leg around to nip the ball away and he's able to hold you off look up pick a pass and then the ball's gone and he's moving somewhere else to look for space I think using his hips is is something he has mastered, especially when even I notice when he's taking a ball down from high, when he's trying to trap a ball from the air and he's one on one yeah. with a defender, he will I, I, I would back him ninety nine percent of the time in those duels because he, he uses his his arms and his hips so well to just completely shove the defender off and trap it down, hold him off again, look up, find a pass, lay it off, and then he's gone looking for space somewhere else. Yeah, but the thing with Kjorgaard is also like this kind of situation when he has to use his body, he is really mm -hmm. agile to react and to turn and to be faster than his uh, op opponent, like playing at his back or I don't know, even at, when he's playing face-to-face -to, -face to an opponent, he reacts very fast and he knows what to do, like, very very rapidly so he grabs the ball and he already knows what to do when this is really good because he's not only going to beat you uh, using the arms or using the hips which is a really really good attribute of his game but i really love like his body feints like yes. going to to some place and then uh, going round to the other that's really good other thing that i really like about him it's how he attacks the box, mm -hmm. but not in the way like arriving to shot. He is like going 
from wide to in or making underlapping runs. These underlapping runs that he creates are really good and he is very good with uh, the end product in that zone when attacking the box with an underlapping movement. He looks to cross to take a cutback mm -hmm. pass and all that. So it, it's really nice to see a midfielder doing too much things in the pitch. Like he drops off, he helps to escape the press, to, I don't know, break a mid block. And then he receives between the lines and he can assist you or he can, I don't know, make the pass to the fullback attacking the space and the, and the depth to then make a cross. He is like a mixture of all those kind of things. Like a player, he's a player like a player, like really, really takes the tempo of the game with himself. Mm -hmm. When he grabs the ball, Salzburg, his teammates play in the time he wants. He grabs the ball and he sees the options. He looks for them the best. And when you see a player playing with, within one or two touches, you have to know that he's a really intelligent player because he knows what to do before receiving the ball. Yeah, and I know this is quite a mundane point to make on my behalf, but given that he is six foot four, it allows Salzburg to go direct to the forward line, even if the centre forward isn't the tallest or the most physical, because he is great in the air and he can win yeah. the initial ball to knock it down, and then they can obviously recoup the second ball higher up the pitch. And I know this isn't really something that's associated with number tens or central midfielders for that matter, but he, he it is really useful if you want to escape pressure if you want to go long you want to just kind of win the second ball in a higher area of the pitch you can go to Kiergo because he's going to win the header and I think that is um, something that I suppose is different from player to player obviously you won't have every midfield or every number 10 that's six foot four but in his case he allows you to do that um, I, I want to ask you about maybe like similar players is there anyone from the past or present that stand out that remind you of Kiergo because he's quite a different player than you'd normally see. Yeah, he's kind of a different player to what you constantly are thinking in that position. Mm -hmm. I mean, you kill me with that question because I don't really think of someone like that could be close to him or really or, or you could see some similarities. I don't know if you have one and my mind could open up after you, you said one? Um, he kind of... I, I know this is ridiculous, right? This is crazy. My first thought was, and by the way, I'm not comparing this... I'm not comparing Kiergo with this player because he's absolutely... If he becomes half the player this man was, he'll be doing well. Um, so I'm not comparing in any way, shape, or form. But just in terms of actual stature and the way he uses his body, his touch, the kind of way he plays on the pitch and the positions he takes up he is a, just a small bit like Zidane just in terms of his actual the, the, a big man who is so great technically um, that doesn't well he, probably, well he has hair as well which I suppose is very different he obviously isn't as, as good as Zidane was at that age but he still kind of possesses he takes up similar positions on the pitch he's uses his body so so well he's a big guy for a number 10 or for a central midfielder so just a little bit reminded me of that as well. He kind of looks, he kind of plays like uh, Oyen Sunset with Athletic Club, although he's not yeah. as good in the box. Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote a scout report on Sunset and I labelled him 
as a mix between Zidane and Deli Ali. I think um, maybe I have an obsession with just big number 10s being Zidane. Maybe this is my fault. Maybe that's poor analysis. Um, but yeah, I think he kind of does play a bit similar to Ian Sunset and he takes up similar positions. But Sunset is, is a bit more of a goal scoring, or he has more goal scoring prowess. Yeah, maybe, and Kyogre is a bit like not focusing like mainly mm. on scoring goals, but yeah. yet like assisting or pre-assisting or even like just being the man on the triangle before to break the press. Yeah, He's really good at it. You know, the way he just approaches to make a triangulation with his teammates to escape from there. And it's not only because he arrives, but when he gets the ball, he passes it to a teammate and then he makes another move. Mm. He, he's supporting runs to again appear and have space and all that and bring an option to their teammates on the ball. It's really good. He's always moving to tell his teammates, like, I'm here and you can play with me if you don't want to. You yeah. can play easy with me and I could solve the situation. So that's really good to see in a player that has to break lines and has to help his team to oxygenate maybe his possessions. And he has a very, very powerful shot inside the penalty area, uh, which is yeah. obviously when, you, when you're talking about a player like that, it's important to know how they operate in the final third and if they are a bit of a threat in front of the goal, but it's probably not the most important attribute to their game. But he is quite good inside the penalty area. Um Maybe he could score more goals, but his shooting is so, he his shot is so so powerful, so thunderous, so difficult for goalkeepers to save. He hits it with such venom, you know, puts his proper puts his laces through the ball. Um, I like that though. That's the kind of the kind of technique I think I enjoy the most. Maybe it's not the most efficient. Let's discuss yeah. his defensive role at Salzburg. Then Bryant for a number ten. Or a number eight as well, I suppose. Sorry, I should just call him kind of a. I just call him an eight point five at this point. But yeah. defending is obviously a really important part of the game, especially with Salzburg. They press so high; they count the press really well. How does he operate within Jessel's defensive structure and defensive yeah, to principles? At, to play at Salzburg, you have to be really good at pressing, or at least not good, but like intense. You have to have the intensity and the mm -hmm. effort and the aggressiveness to play on that high pressing style of football. I like him in the way he has the effort and he really likes to run and to block, well, try to block passes and all that. But I don't know to, if you feel the same as me, Adam, but sometimes I really see in him like a, a crazy press, like at some moments, without a pinch of sense, like he's yes. just running. He's just running, just, running, running. Speaking of that, the, somebody I well, I was reading a scout report on him. I like to get other people's opinions after I read my own, or after I have my own judgments to see if they kind of weigh up. There was a, somebody had an opinion that he was a great presser and he counter pressed really well and aggressively. I disagree a bit. Because yeah, I think, like you said, sometimes it is irrational. I mean, there were so many times where Salzburg would lose the ball. There'd be a turnover position he or, or, of possession. Sorry, He would counter-press um, in a position where he is in no real 
place to win the ball and he'd leave a man free behind them and they'd easily play to him. And yeah. I think you just drop off and you have a bit more positional awareness of where you are and scanning your surroundings. That, that yeah, that's, chance doesn't that's come the, to fruition. And I think you're right. I, I think he he's yeah. still a young guy, but I don't think... Uh, people are talking about him as if he's like this pressing machine. I think he's a, he's a very willing worker off the ball, which is important to note. But there are times in his game when he can be a bit lackadaisical about his surroundings. Yeah, and it's something like this is something I really have read read recently about the press and all that. The people could see players running and they say like, okay, he pressed good. Mm -hmm. But it's not like that, you know. You have to see his positioning. And even sometimes I saw Kjorgård like he is so maybe anxious to get the ball. He loses the ball and he, he pressed one, he pressed the other, he pressed the other, and yeah. you're just getting tired. You're just getting really tired. And the other players receiving the ball, they have responsibilities to other teammates. Like your teammates are going to cover them and you don't have to go like running through mm -hmm. four or five players to try and win the ball. Because if you run to one and you don't win the ball, then they move it, I don't know, they move the ball square or at, with a back pass, and you're creating space behind you. So you just, you have to be intelligent with your positioning, when to run. It's For me, it's the timing to pull the trigger with Kjorgård. You know, I, think, he, I think it would be worse if we were sitting here labeling him as lazy, which he certainly is. Yeah, but there's yeah. still a lot of refinement totally that's needed worse. in this defensive game and a yeah. lot of discipline is maybe yeah, uh, the it, best word to use. You, exactly. You need discipline and it's something like you can work. Hmm. Because if you have a lazy player, it's so hard to work on his uh, efforts and all that. He's just like that. He, he's not going to defend. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But when you have a player like that likes to run all the pitch, but you don't like that and you want him to be tactically good in that aspect, you yeah. can work with him. You can. And I think just in terms of we spoke about how he kind of aggressively closes down maybe naively, but I think there's a lot to be said as well about his actual positioning when he, his team are sitting in a lower mid-block Again, he's not the best at scanning behind him defensively. Yeah. And I think that that hinders you when you're playing, especially in a double pivot, if you're playing at two. Uh, I know Chiche, the former Brazil manager at this point, when he was the manager of Corinthians, I believe, in Brazil, they beat Chelsea in the uh, Club World Cup final in 2013. And he spoke on the coach's voice when he was kind of reviewing that game recently. Yeah, He spoke about having positional uh, midfielders like positional sixes I never heard this before and he said that in England there's not really a word for it and I, I, I really don't think there is but he called them positional players and what he meant was guys like Casemiro for example who are great at sitting and protecting the back line constantly scanning danger around them and then yeah. they'll, they'll adjust their positioning to the opposition's most threatening players, I suppose, in between the lines, essentially. I think Kiergo certainly isn't a positional player. Obviously, he's more attack-minded, so that's obviously where that comes from, but I think it does hinder his ability to be playing in a two in the midfield. Yeah. And maybe that's just yeah. my opinion. Maybe maybe playing in a two is not the best 
uh, position or yeah. system or role for him. Maybe in a three or being an attacking midfielder like, I don't know, yeah. Brendan Aronson yeah. could be a, 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 a good uh, like development on him to change that kind of role and position. Mm. But even at that, you need to know when you're at number 10, and say you're playing a 4 2 3 1 and you're number 10, you need to know when to step up and press the center half, when to drop off at mark the six. Yeah. You know, to pivot to pivot with the center forward. You need to understand that role. Um, and again, if he's like and I always say this when when I talk about number ten to press and Bruno Fernandez for the last two, three seasons been one of the most willing pressers, but one of the most naive. Bruno Fernandez would happily press the opposition's goalkeeper sixty yards away from any of his teammates. (laughs) And it's pointless. You need to understand because what'll happen is then the goalkeeper just plays around them and then you're in because he plays to the six who's unmarked. You need to have a yeah. relationship with your centre forward. And again, it obviously didn't help that Bruno was playing with Cristiano Ronaldo. So you'd have Bruno pressing for no reason, Ronaldo not pressing, it just didn't work. Um yeah. you need to have a relationship where you can pivot. So one one goes, one stays, or else both go and one of your double pivots step up then. You know, I think Kiergo well, does need to develop that just a little yeah. bit again about his game. But he's very hardworking, it's fair to say. Yeah, and that's fair to him. But when you're defending, you just have to be so coordinated and mm-hmm. so organized. When you're attacking, you can create the chaos and the movements. Oh, if, when you're playing in a, like, I don't know, functional or a free uh, style of game to move throughout the channels and obviously depends on your role and position but when you're defending you just have to be so so good tactically you have Mm -hmm. to not only that you have to scan every time because players like to appear behind you and between the lines and you just have to defend like you have to get a 360 vision Yeah. yeah so so you have to be like watching your backs, watching your sides, watching what's happening in front, supporting with coverings. And as Mm -hmm. a 10, maybe, I don't know if you think the same, but maybe like this uh, work of blocking the rival six is the most important for me in the press. Mm -hmm. And you just have to do it well because if somehow the six have time and space, they progress. They progress, and if they progress, they could sit on a high mid-block attacking, or they could even break lines easily, and you're in a counter-attack situation. Of course, yeah. No, I think when when pressing, it is the most important, because ultimately, you want to shuttle the opposition out to the flanks, because then you can use the touchline as that extra defender. Whereas if you press with a two and you allowed him to slide the ball through to the six and he turns and plays out he has the room of the park to play into he can find runners in behind he can find players between the lines so you need to cut off access to that six um and it's important to also know when especially with the quality of the player whether to sit and i'm going to rob a terminology i heard off sean deutsch new everton manager who was announced today as of recording i'm going to rob a, a terminology used by sean deutsch he talks about playing against the six south side and north side and what he meant by that is when you're sitting south side you're sitting behind the six so that if they receive you can press them face on north side yeah. means they're playing behind you when you're covering them with your cover shadow um so i think it's important to note that if you're playing against like a rodri and you're a lesser team 
you probably should play south side. So even if he received, you can still press him face on. Whereas if you play north side and that ball's played in behind you to Rodri, he'll turn you and he'll play forward and he can kill you with those balls in behind or balls yeah. to players between the totally. lines. Yeah. But again, this all matters because it's something that Kiergo does need to develop. And again, as I said, he's such a hardworking midfielder. And it's really, really important to note that just with with maturity as well, he'll get much, much yeah. better. The last thing I want to ask you before we wrap up though, Bryant, is in the TFA scouted report, we mentioned that Moritz Kiergo is probably playing at a tier four level right now and can play at a tier one level within the next 12 months. Tier one level obviously is Europe's elite. Give me some clubs you think that, you know, Moritz Kiergo could go to that would sue him the best. And when I say this, I also kind of keep in mind uh, Charles de Catellare because yeah, but they're not identical players. And the reason, sorry, I, I actually should have said this. I said this in the, in the introduction, but he is linked with uh, moves to Milan, Inter and Roma. That's why I say about the Catalara, because the Catalara followed that similar path of going to Italy and has... Yeah, he's just struggling and all that, yeah. ...blocked completely, unfortunately, even though he was such a wonderfully talented player in Belgium. Give me some clubs you think would would, would suit Gergo the most. Well, I, I don't know if this could be cheating, but Leipzig could oh, be... Oh, cheating. Get out of here. <laughs> No, the, the Bundesliga just should yes. be his next move. Yes. Should be. Teams like, I don't know, even Dortmund, but if you don't want to give him like a really big step, mm-hmm. you will think of teams like Hoffenheim, Werder Bremen. Um, like throughout the years, they have been developing this kind of attacking midfielders. Yeah. And it, it's really good to see players like again developing at these teams and all that Bayer Leverkusen could be a good team for him but uh, I don't think he's ready to take this big step like to playing at the at a club like Dortmund or Leverkusen or all that maybe a fierce step on teams like this like Hoffenheim Bremen I don't know Union Berlin even that they have in a big season and they like to play with an not an attacking midfielder, but this kind of player that drops off the forward line and is playing throughout the channels. Yeah. And they are very direct as well. Uh, but, maybe but, it, it, I think the Bundesliga is the right choice for him in, at this moment. It's it's going to be RB Leipzig, Brian. We know that. Um, I just <laughs> yeah, wanted to I just wanted to ask the question anyway, but we know it's going to be RB Leipzig because they just yeah. and all their players. Obviously, they're a pairing club of Salzburg, and I do think Leipzig would sue him even if they have quite many players in that position, including oh. Dominic Zabosley, who just scored they, two goals. They, I believe, yeah, two day. goals. Yeah, um, he's really good. Yeah, and obviously he made the jump over from. Leipzig or from uh, Salzburg to Leipzig, like many players did. I mean, you see, yeah, I, I, I can. I'll probably be sitting here all day if I go to players that kind of made that jump. Even even coaches make make the jump as well. Jesse Marsh for one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it is fair to say he probably will end up at Leipzig. But I think you're right. There's there are some. I I, I think Germany in general is probably a really good stepping stone for him. It's the best stepping stone for any player. I I feel coming from Austria. 
to go yeah. to the Bundesliga because he kind of followed the typical route, didn't he? He went from Le- FC uh, FC Liefering to Salzburg, Liefering, yeah. parent club of Salzburg, and then he'll probably go from Salzburg to Leipzig, who again are a partner of and, Salzburg. And it, it's it's just following that kind of. And I know Matthias Jessel will probably do the exact same thing. He was at Liefering as manager, then he went to Salzburg, and he'll, I'm sure he will definitely go to Leipzig. Yeah, and not only because of that, it's because they play every team there like the leagues mm-hmm. are so similar in their game style yeah uh, they press they are di- direct they're so fast and they play similar systems so and when you take into consideration that Salzburg plays the same literally yeah. the same football as Leipzig because they are parent clubs and all that you're going to it's not obviously totally sure that you're going to fit and you're going to success but you're going to be somehow like in your environment you know yeah. and it's, as i said about the stepping stone it's would be it would be much more of a a good way to weigh up his ability in a top five league then going from the austrian Bundesliga to the premier league which i think would be too big of a step because I think the Premier League is on a whole different way of land right now in terms of yeah. just quality and quality of the opposition and difficulty to adapt to the league. I mean, you see so mm. many players that really, really struggle. Like, look at Cody Gakpo at the minute. Mm. You know, yeah. goes from the area to visit to Liverpool. Obviously, Liverpool are in massive trouble anyway, but he walked in on a, in a very difficult situation, but he's really struggled to adapt. You can see his all-round game. He looks lost out there. And he's gone from the area to visit, who many believe is a top six or seven league in Europe mm. to Liverpool and he struggled. So I think going from the Austrian Bundesliga to the Premier League will be a huge step. Yeah, I would like to see him in the Bundesliga, step. have a year or two on the Bundesliga, test out your ability, and then you can move on to maybe England if that's where you want to end up. Bryant, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed this chat and I think I look forward to hearing your thoughts when we discuss these players because I like to weigh up my own opinion against yours and sometimes it's similar sometimes it's not so i i I think it's it's really important that we we both discuss our ideas on the player but it's also important that we talk about their weaknesses too i say this a lot every player has weaknesses and so many times people write scout reports or they do scout reports on players and it's all focused on the good stuff and that's great but it's really important to analyze things that players can improve on because i don't like lying to the listeners i want them to have a good idea of of exactly how um the player plays and kind of what he needs to improve so anyway thank you so much for coming on Brian. no problem adam thank you for having me here and i really enjoy to be here and looking forward to the next ones super to all the listeners at home i hope you enjoyed as well and make sure to tune in on thursday as we have an extremely exciting guest on the podcast also make sure to rate the podcast too and share it with your followers friends and family as it really helps us to grow thank you all for listening and goodbye for now